0: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for being here this weekend. My name's Ryan. If we haven't met yet, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I would love to meet you after the service, especially if you're just here for the very first time. And as you just heard, we're in a new series called Less Is More. Pastor Jeff kicked us off last week. And uh, what we said is, as a people, right, we're in a bit of a unique situation. What's not unique to us is that throughout all of human history, we have been hit with an onslaught of messages, right? It's just like how life is. People have always tried to influence one another. Organizations have always tried to draw people to their cause. But what's unique about our day is from kind of the time that we wake up to the time that we go to bed, we're faced with all of those messages all the time. Right? It's on my smartphone, it's online, it's in front of my computer screen at work, right? It's on the, the TV, it's on the billboards, in the magazine, it's everywhere, right? There are constantly people and causes and organizations that are saying, hey, jump into my thing, buy into this philosophy of life, follow me, I know the way, and more and more and more, we are becoming distracted by this plethora of messages that are just hitting us from all different directions. What we're saying is, if we actually responded to all of those messages, if we took each one seriously, and especially if we said yes to each of those, what we might find is that there's a little bit of us kind of spread all over the place. We would lose maybe focus in life, and we said, what if less is actually more? What if we push the pause button for a little bit? And we we drew back and we said, why don't we decide what's truly important and truly valuable and meaningful for our lives, and why don't we focus on just those things? And why don't we zoom into those, lock hold of those, and maybe we could find the peace and the purpose and the passion that we're all really looking for. And so last week, Pastor Jeff kicked that off. And he was talking through kind of this conversation through the lens of activity, right? Where do I spend my time? What organizations do I sign up for? How much and how busy? And what am I giving myself to in my time and in my activities? And what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about less is more through the financial grid. What we said is there, there are always people and always organizations that are kind of calling on us to give our money to them, right? They're, they're saying, hey, buy my thing, join my club, sign up. We want you to jump in. And I think what can happen when we're faced with this onslaught of messaging is what happens is we begin to hear those messages. Here's the temptation. If I begin to hear all of these different messages, I begin to respond to each of them and begin to lock into them, and a little bit of me is spread super thin. Uh, some of you guys have kids and so you've seen the lego movie i just watched it again the other day and uh, if if you do have kids i know you've seen that maybe like like me 50 million times right and i caught a one piece of the lego movie where the guy who's like a normal guy he's reading the manual on what's normal for life and he says buy an expensive cup of coffee every day, right? Like like that's normal life for people, right? And so we would do that. We would say, hey, yeah, I'm going to jump in, grab an expensive cup of coffee every day. Look, my neighbor's got a new truck or a new car. So I want to be like that. I'm going to be influenced by that. Ladies, you see this happen sometimes, right? You look at each other's clothes or your shoes or your scarf. Where'd you get that? Oh, I got it on sale. It was down at this store. Right, whenever that conversation's happening between women, I usually take that opportunity just to pause and zone out. And then I, I... I visualize my wood pile, you know, and I just imagine. Some of you guys know you know what I'm talking about. You replay the OSU game in your head, right? You just take a, a moment to go to your happy place. But right, whatever it is, I give a little piece of myself to whatever's calling on me. You know, so, so the, it's the keeping up with the Joneses, and they got a bigger house, so I want a bigger house, and they got a newer this, so I want a newer that. And that kid got a new iPad, so now my kid wants a new iPad. And I was at Upward yesterday, and I saw that kid's got new basketball shoes, so now my kid wants new basketball shoes. And, and it goes on and on and on, and I'm at line and Target, and they're like, hey, do you want to give just $1 to this cause that's life or death? And you look at a cashier in the eye, and you're like, man, I'm just a jerk if I don't give them a dollar." Here you go. Right? And on and on it goes, and they are little tiny touches all day long, but before we know it, we have given our finances all over the place, and sometimes it gets to the point where we don't even know where our money's going, right? If there's not a plan, and if there's not an intentionality, a little piece of my wallet, so to say, is spread all over the place, and the real question is, man, where is this thing leading me? if I'm living like this where is this actually taking me I think it's actually this week for most of us that you'll get your w2 or your 1099 or whatever you know statements you get about your income and it doesn't really matter how much it is but you ever have that feeling when you look at it and you think like where did this go where did i spend this this year right where did that amount of money end up cuz i know it i don't have it anymore right it's gone but where did i invest it where did i leave it is there a place, kind of a trail behind me where I can look back and feel good about the things that I've invested in. So I want to look at this situation because I think this is becoming more and more normal. Some of us are going to find ourselves here more than others, but why does this even matter? Right? If I don't know where my money is going, is that a problem? Is that an issue or is it no big deal? It's a question worth asking, and I think what we can do is look at some of the things that Jesus said and begin to get some perspective on this. Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell combined, and what we're going to see today is, I think, something that is deeply impactful, and we're going to look at some verses that I think if we get a hold of these will change the way that we interact with money forever, right? unbelievable stuff and jesus is going to point us as the creator of all things the creator of money he's going to give us some insight into money that i think is absolutely mind-blowing so let's go ahead and turn there if you have a bible with you grab that if you don't have a bible or a newer translation of the bible we would love to have you just stop for a minute grab a bible underneath the chairs around you you can use that today and then you can take that home with you we would love for you to have your own personal copy of god's word uh, so make sure to take advantage of that if you don't have a Bible yourself. So we're in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 19 through 21. Grab a Bible underneath your chair or a smartphone. You can uh, jump onto you version. You can just listen along here as well if you'd like to. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus is talking. He's uh, in a section of scripture we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he's, he's laying out a series of teachings about all kinds of things. And in this section, he's talking about money. Here's what he says. Matthew chapter 6, we'll start in verse 19. Here's Jesus. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going to say that again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You got to hear what Jesus is saying here. It's specifically in that last verse in 21. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, when I take chunks of my money and I invest them in things, when I take little pieces or big pieces and I make purchases or I make investments and I move my money and I spend my money, What I need to understand is that it's not just money, it's no big deal, I'm throwing it all over the place, who cares, here's why. My money is attached to my heart. My money is attached to my heart. When I invest in something, when I purchase something, there's a little piece of my heart that's gonna follow that, why? My heart follows my treasure or my money. So when I begin to see that I have said yes to all of these things, what I've also said yes to is my heart following those. And that's why we can be left with a couple different scenarios if this is where we find ourselves. We can look at ourselves and say, because my money has been scattered everywhere, my heart has been scattered everywhere, and that's why at the end of the day, I don't even really know where either of those things are. I can't look back and trace and say, here's where my money went. Here's where my heart is, here's my passions, why? Because it's, it's been almost dealt with recklessly or carelessly. I've given myself all over the place and I don't even know where I've landed. That's one scenario. Another scenario is that I have given my money to things that are not actually a reflection of my values. And so I find myself having more passion for things that, that I really don't want to have passion for. I'm more fired up about well, a cable show, or a TV show, or a sports team, or a, than my family, or than something that's actually a deep priority in my life. Why? Because I've invested in it. I've made deposits into that, and my heart has followed those investments. Walk with me another step. We looked, and we saw that my heart follows my money. Last week, Jeff opened this up for us, and he said, I think this is really the, the verse that's going to guide our series, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23. Let me just read it. You don't have to turn there. The writer of Proverbs, full of wisdom, he says this, above all else, above all else, guard your heart, why, for everything you do flows from it. Here's what I want us to walk away with. One way to guide and guard my heart is to look at where my money's going. Right? If I'm looking at my situation in life and I'm not finding peace, especially in the financial arena. Right? So finances are one of the major reasons for anxiety, for marital strife, right? for stress. And if I look, I'm saying, I, I don't have peace. My heart is not at rest, and especially in this arena. If I look at my situation and I'm not excited about the passions and the purpose of my life. If I look and say, Man, I have a I have a bit of a scattered heart right now. And if you look at your heart and you say, I I want this to change, guys, I want you to hear this. If I want to move my heart, I have to move my money. Okay? If I want to move my heart, I have to move my money. Why? My heart will follow my money. It's just how it works. Jesus is locking into that principle in a truism that I think is general for all of us, that kind of, if you're a Christ follower or not, what I have to recognize is that where I'm choosing to make that investment ultimately is going to be the place where my heart's gonna land, at least in a little bit. Right? And you can watch it happen in, in examples in your life. You ever buy stock in a company and all of a sudden you care about that company. Right? You buy Starbucks or Chipotle or Walmart stock, and all of a sudden, you care about those companies. You make a purchase of a new vehicle, and all of a sudden, you have an unexplainable affection for a chunk of metal with four tires, right? You're like, I care about this. I shine it, I polish it, I insure it, I make sure that nobody dings it at the grocery store. I care about this thing. My, my heart is following my unique piece of metal, right? Because I purchased it. That's what happens. And that's true of all things. You buy a boat, all of a sudden, you care about boats. You buy that new car, and you see those new cars all over the place. Because your heart's following your money, it's how we work. Because I think part of that is because we have spent a chunk of our lives earning income, and then we spend that income, and our affections are gonna follow it. So how do we move our money into a place where we can find peace and purpose and passion? Here's what I think needs to happen. We look at our money, and we look at our heart, and we surrender both of those things to Jesus. All right, Lord, I want you to be my financial advisor, per se. Will you help me to get some wisdom and insight in what this needs to look like? And I think what Jesus would have us do, at least in the right ballpark, is he would send us into this direction, I think, into three major categories where Jesus would have us invest ourselves financially. The first one is going to be into the kingdom, into the kingdom. And what are we talking about when we talk about kingdom? Jesus was getting to it there in the verse that we just read, storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And here's what that can look like. When we're talking about kingdom, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's the reality that one day this earth and this life is going to disappear. What Jesus is saying in this verse is this. I think it's more of a statement of wisdom even than a command. I think Jesus is saying, hey, when you're looking at taking your money and investing in something, I'm not sure it makes so much sense to invest it in something that's temporary and one day is going to be destroyed. Like, why would you do that? That can be lost, it can be stolen, it can be ruined. Why wouldn't you take your finances and invest it into something that's going to last forever? Like, right, that's a smart thing to do. And so he's saying, invest in heaven, invest in the kingdom. There's a couple ways that that can show up. One of them is being a generous person. As being a generous person, here's what I mean by that. The Bible is littered with uh, admonishments, encouragements for us to care for the poor, for the widow, uh, for the orphan, for those who are the hurt and kind of the marginalized in society. The Bible would call on God's people to set aside a little resource, to set aside some of our excess and to plan to care for those who are in financial need and to have a heart for them, to not consume all that we have, but to set aside some for generosity. The other thing that that shows up here big time in the kingdom is if I am a Christ follower, the Bible would call on me to tithe, to move towards a principle of tithing. And if this is a brand new concept to you, let me explain how it works. What the Bible calls us to do is to take the first 10% of our income and offer it back to God. And here's why. God is the giver of all financial opportunity. Deuteronomy talks about that. That He says, I have given you the ability to produce income. That's out of Deuteronomy 8. And what God's saying is, I, I've given you the skills, the abilities, the personality, the opportunities. Right? I've set you into this environment. I've created all things. And I've set you up and I've blessed you. I want you to remember me. And I want you to offer back the first 10% of your income How does that work? When I do that, when I choose God first and I thank him first, it's an act of worship, I am taking a chunk of my heart and I'm investing it back into God. God's not actually after my money, but he he wants my heart. And and those things just happen to be attached together. You can't really separate them fully. So God's saying, I want you to tithe. I want you to offer the first 10% of your income. I was talking to a guy uh, last night after the service. He said, Ryan, I'm so glad we're talking about this. He said, I remember when I first heard the concept of tithing, he said, it was absolutely mind blowing to me. You know, he, he said, I was using all of my money. Uh, there was no room in the budget to tithe. Like, that's a lot of money, 10%. Kind of a, the thing about 10% is it's a lot of money for everybody, it's 10%. And he said, I I, slowly, I couldn't make one big leap into it, but I slowly started working into it. And he said, I'm so glad that I did. I watched my passion for Jesus explode, and slowly but surely, I moved towards a place where I could give financially." And guys, if you're, if you're new or if you have been hurt by a financial organization that has misused finances, let me just mention this. I'm very kind of proud to say this. If you are new to Grace Church, you know, and you, you don't feel comfortable yet, and you're a Christ follower, and you don't know yet if you can trust Grace, Because what I would say to you is don't give here, give somewhere else. But invest your heart into the kingdom. If you're not ready to give at Grace Church, that's okay. It's no big deal. We don't don't actually want or need, we don't need your money. We want your heart. We want your heart to be after Jesus and after the kingdom. If you're not ready to do that, don't worry about it, but move towards it and make sure your heart is planted in the kingdom. As for those of us who are regular attenders here at Grace and we would consider ourselves Christ followers, that is the tithe. Kingdom, generosity, tithing, that's what's going to show up there. I'm giving my heart first back to God, the creator of all things, and the one who has given me the ability to produce income. And then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the next word, the next priority once I've invested in the kingdom, now I want to begin to invest in wisdom, in wisdom. What is wisdom? Let's talk about that. I'm going to give you another proverb that's going to show up. I'll just read it to you. It's a short one. Proverb 2120. You can jot down the reference if you want. Check it out later. Here's what the writer of Proverbs says. Uh, He says, the wise store up choice food in olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. OK, got to understand what's going on, right? The currency of the day is, is resources. It's food, and it's olive oil, right? and this kind of stuff. And, and what the Proverbs writer is saying is somebody who's wise doesn't take all of their income and consume it all. What they do is they, they live on some of it, and then they set some aside right, just in case something happens. Right? For emergencies, they set some aside. They'll be wise in not gulp it all down or consume it all. He says, that's what a fool does. A fool lives and consumes all the way up to their, their income level. So a wise person is going to store a little bit up for the future. You guys, here's what we're talking about with wisdom, a couple major things. One of them is literally taking care of your family and taking care of your future Here's where it shows up. Let me give you one more verse, and then we'll unpack this a bit. This is from Paul in the New Testament to Timothy. Jot down the reference. 1 Timothy 5.8. Strong uh, strong verse here. Anyone who does not provide for their own relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So here's what we're saying. I want to look at wisdom, and especially if I have a family, if I have children, or if I have a spouse, I want to set aside a little bit of finances just in case for kind of the bumps of life. I want to deal with debt. I want to look at a budget and manage money in such a way that I know where it's going and there's a plan for where it's going. It's not just being spent randomly, it's being spent on purpose. Right? It's one of the things I try to teach our, uh, our, our my my kids, you guys ever have this happen where you walk through the grocery store, and then like the dreaded checkout aisle comes, you know? In my the, the evil marketers they put the bubble gum, you know, like right here where my four year olds like, I want that, you know? And we just have this rule of like we're not going to buy anything from this checkout aisle ever, you know? Like. It's never, dead. can we do it? Nope, it's like never going to happen, ever. Why? Because we we chose not to do that. If you guys want to have gum, we're going to buy it from another aisle, right? But we're not going to listen to these voices of our culture. We're going to have a plan for it. And if we're going to do it, we're going to do it on purpose, right? It's not just happenstance and where uh, I'm just responding to the flashy, bright, shiny thing in front of me and saying yes to it. I want to have a plan, and I want to have wisdom, and I want there to be a a budget, and I want there to be an emergency fund, and I want to address debt, and I want to save for the future, and begin to have wisdom providing for the people in my life. Paul's going to say, this thing's a big deal. Uh, Managing your finances with wisdom is a very spiritual act. Very spiritual acts, it's important. Paul would say, if you're not taking care of family, now there's another conversation about when to say no, that sometimes is very important. But as a general rule, we wanna take care of those around us, wanna act with wisdom. Another way that wisdom shows up is by, watch how this works. If my marriage is struggling, right? If there's a lack of passion in, in a marriage relationship, watch how this works. It would be wisdom for me to take some money and invest in that relationship. I'm not talking about throwing gifts and throwing money and and not showing up. What about if we bought some marriage counseling? We bought a marriage retreat. We invested in a marriage conference. What if we spent a little money and got away, just the two of us to be together? Could that financial investment fire up our passion for one another? If we say that this is one of the most important relationships that we have this side of heaven, it would be wisdom for us to invest in that. If you have a friendship, right, or a close relationship with a child, those are investments that I want to make and we're tying our hearts together when we make those kinds of investments. I want to give myself to the kingdom. Right, generosity, tithing, I want to give myself to wisdom, an emergency fund, a chunk of money set aside to buffer between me and life, address debt, care for the future, get on a budget, have a plan, do it on purpose, kingdom, wisdom, this last one is going to show up, it's this word here, when I've dealt with those things in that order, I am left with a degree of freedom, a degree of freedom, let's look at this real quick. This is a verse that I think sums up kind of our whole conversation. Paul talking to Timothy again in the same book, 1 Timothy chapter six, verses seventeen through nineteen. Jot them down. Listen along. Paul says this: Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul's going to say, man, when when I've been faithful to God, right, I've been generous and I'm, I'm working towards tithing or I'm tithing, I'm dealing with wisdom, I'm not just saying yes to myself and buying everything I want. I'm practicing restraint, setting some aside, setting up wisdom. I'm left with a degree of freedom and some of that I can use to enjoy. Some of that I can use to double down on kingdom or wisdom priorities. That's the point is it's freedom. You have a degree of freedom with your finances after that. And guys, once we've given ourselves in this order, we kind of have the character to know how to deal with this at that point. Let me tell you, I've done both of these, right? So when I have given myself to the kingdom, and I have been faithful to take care of my family, and I've saved up cash to go on vacation, that vacation feels a whole lot different than if I have ignored God, been reckless or careless with my family and my future, and I put the vacation on a credit card. Those are two totally different vacations, aren't they? When I've been faithful to the Lord and I've been taking care of the family, taking care of wisdom, the meal tastes different when we want to go out and spend a little money and enjoy it. The, The new thing, the purchase that I want feels different. There's not a guilt residue over it. Why? Because I've invested in the priorities as I know Jesus would have me invest in them. There's freedom. I can take what God has given me, the excess, and I can begin to use it to enjoy, double down on the kingdom, double down on wisdom. It's kind of up to you. Pursue a passion, you name it. Guys, I get pretty fired up about this conversation. I know it's money and I know it's touchy. And it's touchy because it's so close to our heart. But the reason that I get fired up about it is this. There is an unbelievable opportunity cost that happens when I move from here to here. Right? If I'm being careless and reckless with my heart and my money, by saying yes to all of these things without a plan, without a purpose, I am inadvertently saying no to many of these things. Right? If I flip the order on these and I give myself first to freedom, this is what I want. I worked for it. I earned it. I get it. I had a, right? When I give myself first to freedom, and if I have any left over, I'll take care of the family, and then the scraps go to the kingdom. The opportunity cost, right? There, there's an opportunity for me to move my heart towards the kingdom, towards the things that I really care about in my family. And guys, what, I wanna lo- what I'd love for us to see happen is that our budgets at the end of the year, right, the financial data would reflect the actual priorities of our lives. Like and when we look back and look at the, the budget or however you keep the numbers, your checkbook, your credit card, whatever you do, When you look at that information, you can look back at that and say, that is a reflection of my actual values. And those are the passions of my heart. I can't look back at it and say, I don't even know what I spent that stuff on. How did that even happen? Because here's the thing. If I'm looking for peace, do you think peace would come when, when knowing I've done what God's asked me to do? Would peace come if I have addressed the needs and the cares of my family, or I've taken care of them? Would there be an unbelievable sense of freedom if I worked through finances in that order? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to be able to look back and say, man, the passions of my heart are reflected in my finances. There's a purpose. Because I'm spending my life, a chunk of it making money, and I want to see that money show up in my values. And wouldn't that be awesome? if we could look back and see our hearts captured in our financial data i was talking to a guy last night after one of the services and he said ryan he said man i am so glad we're talking this is a different guy than i mentioned before he said uh seven years ago i was in debt two hundred fourteen thousand dollars. i wasn't tithing. i wasn't giving i wasn't tithing he said, I, I, God got a hold of my heart. I began giving. I began addressing debt. He said, I cannot tell you how different my life is, how different my anxiety level is, my, pe- my passion. He said, it's funny you talked about vacation. He said, I'm going to take my family on vacation. I'm going to take my kids with me. There's a guy in his 50s. He said, it's all paid for in cash. And he's like, the way you're describing it is exactly what I have just experienced. I watched a guy beaming with life and with joy. I said, man, can I tell that story? He said, absolutely you can. People need to know that this stuff matters. It's not just money. Why? My heart's attached to it. It's not just no big deal. Who cares? Just money. Why? Because my heart is going to follow my treasure. That's how it works. So he goes, what do we do with this? What do with this conversation? I recognize that some of you in this room are uh, much more financially savvy than I am, you know? And, and maybe you're seeing this and you're saying, I know exactly what to do with this. Yep, I got it. All I needed you to do was bring it up. Thanks. You know, I, I want to take another look at it. And I know what to do with it. You guys do it. You know what to do. Many of you are going to be like, like me. Uh, about three years ago, I went and I sat in a financial peace university You guys, that's one of our connect groups we're offering right now. And I learned a ton about this. I learned a ton about budgeting and saving. And this isn't stuff you teach in school, you know? And I learned a ton. And guys, if you're in a place right now, you're saying, this is a a problem in my family. Or I just need some more information. I bet about 70% of the things I heard in financial peace, I didn't know before I sat through it. Just learned a ton. If you're in a place where you're like, I, I need to dig into this because I, I got to get a, my head around what this kind of plan could look like, because I would, I would ask you, go to financial peace, go to the connect group. You can walk out those doors, grab somebody at the info desk and say, hey, I don't know what Ryan was talking about with the financial peace thing, but I want to do that. There should be no empty seats in that room. They will teach you how to save, how to get out of debt, right? How to set your family up and provide for them how to be generous. All of that. There's a guy named Dave Ramsey. He's a financial guru guy on video. And he'll walk you through all the steps to that. There's no way we can lay out the whole kind of plan of what this could look like in 35 minutes. So you know what to do, do it. If you don't know what to do, jump into that connect group. You will be glad that you did. Guys, I want to recognize that maybe some of us are here and you've come in the last handful of weeks and you're like, this whole conversation is blowing my mind right now. You know, I don't even know if I know Jesus yet. I would want to back the conversation up kind of outside of money. I want to come back here if that's where you are today. The, the step that's much more important than anything financial, if that's where you are today, is a conversation about Jesus. Guys, I'll just tell you real quick, if that's where you are, what Jesus did for me. I'm a guy who did not grow up in church. I grew up uh, basically living my life for lust and pride. Those two sins drove my life, in short. And I recognized that, that sin in my life at about 19. And I heard the message for the very first time that Jesus came and lived a perfect life, never sinned, was willing to die on a cross to pay for my sins. And then that Savior who paid for my sin would raise from the dead, would go, and He today is seated at the right hand of God. He's in heaven. And that He is offering me forgiveness for my sin. And I said, yes. And guys, you can do that if you've never done that before. Now That's much more important than anything financial. Say yes to Jesus. Yes to his forgiveness for his sacrifice for your sin. Say, Jesus, I want you to be my God and I want to be your follower. I'm in. Here's my heart. Start there. If I know what to do, I need to do it. If I don't know what to do or I need more information, jump into financial peace. If I need to know Jesus, say yes to the Savior. Guys, if I'm looking at my heart, I'm lacking peace. I'm lacking purpose. I'm lacking passion. If I want to move my heart, I've got to move my money. Why? Less is more. That's how it works. Less is more. Let's give ourselves to the kingdom, to wisdom, to freedom, in that order. Because I'm going to have the band come out, and I want to pray for us as we close our time up. Father, I want to say thank you. Uh, First and foremost, Lord, for your unbelievable generosity in giving your Son to us. Lord, that you would send your one and only Son to pay for our sins is absolutely mind-blowing. The unbelievable kindness and generosity that you've shown to us in Christ. Thank you. And Lord, we recognize that this whole arena of finances is delicate. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us about our next steps today. Lord, draw us to to action. Help us to see where we need to go from here. And help us to see the unbelievable strength of the connection between our hearts and our money And Lord, I pray that you would change our view of money forever. Help us to never see it the same. So that we might spend ourselves, Lord, for your kingdom and for your values. Lord, you alone know the best way to live. Lead us this morning, Lord, as we pray and seek you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.